Hey guys, welcome to the Happy Haven. Tonight we have the master creators behind Kill All Monsters, as well as other books they've worked on. And uh, we're going to get down and dirty with them, talk some comics, talk Kill All Monsters. And uh, so tonight with me I have Jason Copeland and Michael May. Howdy. Howdy. So we're a weird geographical triangle for this. I'm in Atlanta, and Michael, you are in... St. Paul, Minnesota. St. Paul. And Jason, you are in... Vancouver, Canada. Hey there. Howdy. I, I seem to talk to a lot of people in Vancouver. Oh, it's the place to be. Apparently it is, man. Like, seriously. <laughs> I think half my guest <laughs> list is is uh, Vancouver or um, Toronto. Well, for Canada, that's pretty much all there is. <laughs> <laughs> I take that back. I'm sorry, anyone listening in Saskatoon. I love you. <laughs> Uh-oh. Minnesota's an honorary province of Canada. Yeah, you know, I, I, I was in uh, in St. Paul uh, for a con a couple years in a row, at, uh, staying with Michael, and, you know, it actually felt real Canadian there. Yeah, it is. Oh, it is. It, it most definitely is. I've been to Minnesota a couple times. Um, actually, I did... Um, okay, so you live in St. Paul, Michael. Um, yeah. The Minnesota Renaissance Festival. Yeah, yeah. I used to work those. Oh, really? What'd you do there? Um, after the army, I I'm originally from Boston, and I went in airborne infantry. And when that was done, um, I was just kind of puttering around Massachusetts. And my super free spirited hippie cousin, who <laughs> I love to death, even though we are so opposite on so many things, um, was like, "Why don't you come out with me?" And I, I knew he did Renaissance festivals, but I didn't know what it entailed. And we have one in Massachusetts called King Richard's Fair. And I used to go out to that because um, he'd get us free passes as a kid. And I really liked it. And he was like, well, why don't you come do it? And I was like, all right, well, that sounds fun. I'm not doing anything. So I never really got in costume much. Um, I took a security job because you made way more money. Cool. On the weekends, yeah, to wear your normal clothes, sunglasses, and a walkie-talkie, and just walk around and watch people drink way too much in the sun. Right. Because <laughs> the festival circuit follows the weather, so it's always warm. Um, we do the Arizona show, or we did the Arizona show in the winter, and then went to Texas from there for the spring. And so I ended up doing Scarborough, which is near Dallas, Texas. Um, Norman, Oklahoma, Kansas, Minnesota, Colorado, Arizona, and then one in Florida. I'd end in Florida. Wow! For the All year, circuit. yeah. I mean, I, I, but I mean, I had a blast. I met really cool people. Um, I realized that when Jerry Garcia died, that was where everybody went. <laughs> I don't think you're wrong. I'm not. I met a lot of people who had named themselves Crow. Or Raven, and there was a pine tree. I'm not kidding. The dude's name was Pine Tree, and he never <laughs> bought his own damn cigarettes. And yeah, like there was a lot of um. It it it, it taught me a lot on how to get along with people that there's almost nothing that you have in common. Um, I had a blue mohawk and face piercings and tattoos, and was in a punk band and skateboarded and everything else so mine was all you know the aggro kid stuff and 
here I am sitting with a bunch of peaceniks that are rolling their own cigarettes and having a drum circle. Like, what the hell am I doing here? <laughs> <laughs> I know those guys, man. <laughs> but I did learn how to play a Doombeck and a Jimbe while I was out there. Wow. Only mine sounded more like Pantera Unplugged than, <laughs> than their happy, <laughs> happy chanting I, music. I, I... I may or may not have played a Doomba at some point in my life. <laughs> so, but yeah, I um, the time of year we went, boy, did the mosquitoes really answer the call to the land of 10,000 lakes. Yeah. Yeah, it's not so bad in the city, but you get out in the, uh, in, in, the Renaissance is kind of out in the country, it so is, yeah. it can get bad out there. It was fun. We, uh, we, we were doing a construction job during the week. And um, it was the, the mosquitoes were really bad, so we started handing out citronella um, to actually put on ourselves. And one of the guys wasn't paying attention and covered himself with the gun oil from the nail guns. Oh man! And it warmed his body up, and he <laughs> basically just became a giant human target. Wow. Um, I'm pretty sure at one point he did start to take flight with them. There were so many on him that I felt so bad. Wow. And at the same time, I laughed because I'm like, you're stupid. <laughs> like, you can smell what we smell like with the citronella. At what point did the gun oil smell anything close to that? And when you figured it out, why did you keep applying it? Yeah, because he was drunk. <laughs> Probably. Well, yeah. I'm sure there was at least one substance involved out there. <laughs> I'm telling you, the campgrounds, the, the campgrounds where the Rennies stay. I've heard the stories, man. It's a freaking DEA's wet dream yeah. <laughs> out there. <laughs> yeah, I've never worked it, but I've got uh, family and friends who have, and yeah, it's here it's crazy. Yeah, I wouldn't let my daughters anywhere near Oh man, no the kidding. backside of a Renaissance festival. Nope. Because I, I do have a 19-year-old and a 10-year-old, my 19-year-old, too. Nope, you stay right next to me. <laughs> stay away from all these lechy old hippies. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are on the phone like, when are we going to talk about our book? This guy's just rambling about Renaissance festivals. <laughs> That's cool. And his distaste for the peace people. But, no, so, yeah, I, I loved Minnesota. I We used to go to Canada for, for Jason. Um, <laughs> for me, wow. Well, no, I'm, I'm saying for for you. I growing up in Boston, um, there's a certain age limit that's different in Canada than there is here. And being in Massachusetts, we used to take the weekend treks up um, for French fries and gravy. At least that's what we said when we were declaring our way across the border. It, it was always for French fries and gravy. It had nothing to do with certain things being available to us at 18. Yeah, no, um, definitely not. No, no, no. But, I mean, I was on the, what is that, the uh, the New England side of Canada. I think that's the exact opposite side of what you're on. Uh, pretty much, yeah. yeah. I'm, I was about as far west as you can get without going in the water. Well, you can go on uh, Victoria Island or Vancouver Island, but uh, but who wants to go there? I do, man. That place is awesome. <laughs> right? Actually, I was in Victoria oh, maybe like three weeks ago. It was beautiful. Oh, yeah. I've, yeah. I've been to your city once and uh, loved it and loved Victoria and the ferry ride. and uh, So nice. Yeah. yeah, it's pretty nice when you get good weather. 
Oh yeah, I I, I want to be in a one of my bucket list things is to be part of a scan BC story. <laughs> Just go to the east side; it won't take long. Uh huh. <laughs> I want to be in a scan BC and have a uh, them talk about me on Smodcast. <laughs> I mean, I, I yeah, that. That stuff is amazing. If if you don't, if you listen to it, it's Kevin Smith, the Smodcat, the one he does with Scott Mosier. Oh yeah, and he always talks about how Canada has the most adorable crimes. It, it, well, yeah, and, I mean, really, it's like you know, there's a report of a guy who stole money from a guy walking down the street, felt bad, turned around, and gave it back. <laughs> I don't know how often the, I don't know how often that happens. <laughs> right, but I mean, like they they try to present it. They read the the Twitter feed of the police call for where Scott Mosier's from, that part of Canada, and and they try to make it sound like it's the most. Kevin Smith, he's always like disclaimer: Canada is stabby as hell. Yeah, uh, <laughs> there's, there's like that Michael Moore bit. I can't remember what movie it was, but where he goes into Canada and he goes up to the front door and he like opens the door and. And uh, he goes into the person's house and it's like, oh, everyone in Canada doesn't lock their front doors. And I'm like, dude, uh, <laughs> everyone I know locks their front door. You can't believe anything that Michael Moore says sometimes. But uh, what, what do you mean? Like his glowing recommendations of the healthcare system of Cuba? <laughs> well, I've never been there, so I don't know. But I can imagine it's, you know, not not up to snuff. Well, I mean, he made it look like we were the ones building rafts to get over there. <laughs> so. I, think, I think for certain things you might be like for drugs or whatever, but uh, cigars, right? But uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I can't talk about that. I don't know enough. Right. But I'm just saying, yeah. His 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 uh his take on the world is, I don't know how many times that grass that glass cracks before he decides he needs a new lens to look at things through. I mean, <laughs> not everything he says is crazy, but. Like, how do you think? Like, it's like, I, I don't know. I'll end up getting off topic and talking about his stupidity. <laughs> yeah, I didn't. I didn't mean to start anything. <laughs> You're it's good, one of dude. Things, it's, it's one of these things where Canada has gets painted with this this magical brush where everyone is, you know, blows kisses at each other and we all, uh, you know, hold hands and sing kumbaya. But you know, there's a lot of stuff that goes on in here that's not cool. <laughs> right. But no, no, what do we need to talk? Look, we, how are we perceived by the world? We, backwoods talking, gun toting, 10 gallon hat wearing, morbidly obese, violent, aggressive Americans view you guys as the most polite society that's ever graced the face of the earth. Utopia, man. Um,. <laughs> You guys, I guess, have, like, the sweetest currency in the world with animals and families ice skating on it. You do, yeah. And, yeah, like, there's a Tim Hortons for everybody. There is, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and there's no... One, one just opened up, like, four blocks from my house. <laughs> Apparently that one's mine. <laughs> They're competing with the one six blocks from your house. <laughs> yeah, the next one after that is probably about twelve. Okay. Sounds like Dunkin' Donuts in Massachusetts. <laughs> like you guys are literally bookending the same block. <laughs> Why? There, 
used to be in on uh, Robinson Street in Vancouver, uh, right downtown. There used to be two Starbucks that were um, kitty corner from each other, you know, on the same intersection. They were just on either side of the street. Seriously? Um, yeah. Well, Vancouver's got a fascination with coffee, so. Gotcha. What's all that warm weather? Here? <laughs> <laughs> you know, coffee's always good for when it's always warm and inviting to be outside. Like Minnesota. Yep. You guys in your tropical climates. <laughs> <laughs> it's 40 degrees. Get the shirts on. Exactly. Look, hey, I mean, I live in Metro Atlanta now. But um, there was times as a kid in Massachusetts when they were like, it'll be almost 50 degrees. And we were like, spring is here. Yep. Spring is here. I'm wearing a T-shirt. It is 48 degrees, cloudy, and windy. But it is warm. <laughs> it is warm today. It's all relative. Uh-huh. It's a balmy 37. So, anyway... Um, <laughs> I really should have taken my Adderall before we started. But um so tell me as if I hadn't read it. So for the for the listeners who may not know your work le- legitimately, um what is this co-project that you guys uh created and and brought to fruition for all of us to enjoy? I'll let Michael go. <laughs> All right. Well, it's uh, it's called Kill All Monsters. Um, we started it as a web comic back uh, a long time ago. Just, uh, <laughs> just talking earlier today about man, has it been that long that we've been working on this thing? And it's been so fun. But um, it's a uh, it's giant monsters fighting giant robots, man. It's uh, it's the kind of the twist on it. It's a post apocalyptic world, so the the monsters have really already won and um, taken over the planet and a small group of people have developed robot suits to go and try to take it back. So that's the, uh, that's the elevator pitch. So what year did you guys start that? Oh man. Yeah, actually, you know, unfortunately my old computer, I didn't uh, keep, I didn't keep the hard drive. I didn't back it up. So I, I don't really know, but I know that it's been at least from the very first concept type stuff. It's probably been about eight years. Did you guys ever call Guillermo del Toro? What's that? <laughs> Did you guys uh, ever we, call Guillermo del Toro and be like, hey, that thing you made we that actually, people like? At, uh, at C2E2 one year, and I think it was the year that like our, our book had just come out, like the print version, and it was the same time that uh, that Pacific Rim was coming out. And um, we kind of figured out that we knew like a chain of people who, like, there was like, I don't know, four or five degrees of separation between us and Guillermo. Gil- Gil- I can't say his name. Guillermo. Del Toro. Del Toro. The uh, hard boy guy. So we, yeah, we came up with this uh, this plan to um, to get the book into his hands. And so we like had enough copies like for everybody on that chain. So everybody in the chain, if it, was, if it worked right, they would get a book and then pass on the others to like the next people in line. And then uh, Del Toro would end up with the copy at the end. And I, I doubt that ever actually happened, but uh, it was yeah. a fun plan. That's awesome yeah. though. Yeah. I mean, we just wanted him to, you know, <laughs> not to, uh, 
don't know. We, the the comparisons end at giant monsters versus giant robots, and, right. and you know, he didn't create that, and neither did we. Um, but uh, you know, we, we just thought it was fun that uh, you know the chance that he might actually you know see the book and read it. Right. Exactly. But yeah, it went through a, a few uh, different stages, and uh, we we actually were talking about it. We originally did like a full a full issue, um, and then uh, then we kind of regrouped and and started again, and kind of fast forwarded the timeline in the story, and uh, developed a few more other things, and then did that, and then uh, we pitched it. And no one was really that interested, so we ended up just saying, "Well, let's just do it on the web for ourselves." And because uh, because of the format, we, I just kind of decided that uh, that maybe black and white would be the way to go. And we just started uh, posting it online, uh, and um, yeah, and it just kind of snowballed from there. See, I love that. I legitimately love that. Like, you know what? I'm gonna make a thing. And you know what I mean, like, and and just the the ability now nowadays to to not be beholden to the yeses and nos were the definitives back then to be able to to pitch it and be told no and be like, well, okay, but I I'm still gonna do this, and you know what I mean, and now look where it is. I mean, you guys have you know the omnibus is is looming on the horizon for something that back in the day, the no would have been like, well, you, you, you know what I mean? Like, our ability... Oh, for sure. Yeah, our ability yeah. to to, re- to reroute ourselves and actually still get content out there to an audience that would have missed something that they ended up really enjoying is, is really cool for our time period. Yeah, what's also cool about the comics industry is that there's so many different ways, different routes to get into it that you know, you can try something, and if it doesn't work, then, you know, you got, like, three or four other options you can, at least. I mean, there's probably more than that, but right. um, there's always something different you can try just to kind of get your stuff out there. And so that's what we decided to do was, um, you know, give some of it away for free and see if we could build an audience with it. And fortunately, it, it worked. I think, too, that Michael and I have a passion for the material, and, you know, I think that comes through. and. There's lots of there's lots of times where people do things that they think are going to be popular, like they, I guess they try to angle their their IP f- to a certain <laughs> a certain demographic, and mm-hmm. you know, and they and and they they like it, but they're not in love with it, and they're just trying to you know come up with the next big thing and or or tag all, along with something that's already popular. Uh, whereas Michael and I just decided that this is something that we wanted to do. And there was no real thing stopping us from just doing it on our own and, and putting it online. So it was like, well, why not? And, yeah, so we just kind of said, that's what we're going to do. Like, <laughs> right. why, why wait for somebody else to give us approval? So, so we took it upon ourselves. See, that's, that, that's metal right there. <laughs> <laughs> that's metal right there. That's awesome. And then when we were talking about Alterna and Peter, um, when it came to time to printing, uh, we decided that that uh, we were going to do a an actual collection of the the material that was online plus some extra stuff, and uh, you know uh, so we we actually contacted um, Peter at Alterna, and we discussed uh, you know the the option of signing with them 
and uh, and going through his his printer and stuff, and uh, and so it was really it was organic how it all happened and and uh, and you know we really just sort of took it upon ourselves to make it happen. And I think people can pick up on that. Like I, I certainly did. Um, that's why. I definitely, I, I mean, I saw that the Omnibus was, you know, you guys have posted stuff about it, and I was like, yes, like, you can have it all, where you can just, like, sit down with it and read it, and I want to I wanna circle back to, to something you said, you know, where most people trying to get into the comic business, or really any content businesses, like you said, glomming onto something that already exists, or you know, coming out of the gate with the next big thing. And it's funny, um, Peter and I were talking earlier, and you'll hear it on the on the episode. Um, you know, I, I brought up the point when we were talking about the comic industry that it just seems like a lot of the new stuff that comes out is people are trying to write a movie. They're, yeah, you know, sure. they're Yeah, yeah and, and not just like a, not necessarily an MCU movie, but instead of telling a story, they're like, oh, well, you know, I'll try to make the next kick-ass. I'll make it so subversive and edgy and cool and we'll lay out the panels like quick cuts so it'll look like it's already storyboarded out so they can translate it for me real quick and then I'm going to be a super movie writer. And it, and it's like, no, man, it's your art. Like, keep your heart in it and the stuff that's really good and the stuff that is well done and that people know are authentic, like your book, like a lot of what Alterna Comic is doing, um, it's, it stands on its own. And then whatever comes to it was earned honestly, you know? So we, we actually yeah. had that conversation earlier about the same thing you talked about. And, and make sure that what you're, the story you're telling is a comic book story. Like, make sure that, you know, you're, you're telling it... But and making it a comic because it works best as a comic. Like, I, I hate books that, you know, or what you're talking about, where it's clearly someone had a, a movie script that nobody was buying, and so they're just kind of turning it into uh, a comic book because it's another visual medium, and, you know, it just, it, it feels disingenuous, and it feels, they're, they're boring <laughs> most of the time. Like, the, the art is kind of usually, you know, very generic um, because they're just trying to, to to give you the impression of what this would be like to watch it on a movie screen. Um, there's just there's no there's no character to the art in a lot of these things. Um, so yeah, I just you know, comics are so awesome because you can you do so many different things with them that that uh, it's really sad when people just they're not doing that because what they really want to do is make a movie. Right. Exactly. And I mean, like, I love the you, you, your guys' style and w what what Peter's doing over there, and a lot of the indie labels. Um, I think you guys are the the needed renaissance for for comics. Um, Marvel and DC, you know, God bless the characters, and I do love me some Batman, but they've kind of gotten up their own rear end. And, it, you know, it's kind of turned into, I likened it to video game publishers. You know, Activision and EA just churn out games all year long. They don't really care about the content because they know somebody will plunk down the fifty nine ninety nine and take it home. You know, they'll, 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 they'll give you a Madden every year. They just reskin it with the New Jersey numbers, which is, <laughs> the, you know, which is what 
DC and Marvel are doing. They're like, hey, look, it's the new Avengers. No, it's the new characters. You just, you know, gender swapped this and did this and did that. And at the end of this run, you're just going to say it's either a different dimension or it's a time schism or it's the scroll. And, you know, for Christ's sake, guys, stop burning your universes to the ground and rebuilding them every two years. Yeah. You know, eventually the phoenix is going to run out of the ability to reincarnate itself if you keep burning it every year. So, you know, I just, I have a lot more, um, being older now, being more discerning and actually having developed a palette, you know, um, and not just buying out something because, wow, you know, it's got Wolverine on the cover. Or, wow, it's this and that. I find myself much more drawn to what you guys are doing and, and what Peter's doing. And, you know, it's, I think it's needed. Um, I was talking about, you know, in music, music just sucks now. And, you know, I'm, I'm hoping that there's a kid tinkering in a garage that will be the next mud honey. You know, and then we we can enjoy Mud Honey and the Pixies before the Nirvana comes around, pretends to be indie, and <laughs> and you know you, you know what I'm talking about, and then you know, and I think the, the uh, hopefully way, I get to be hopefully I get to be the Pixies in in this scenario, <laughs> the, but, but that's the comparison. Like the yeah, the the way you guys are doing it, um, it keeps the reason why comics have been beloved for years. That's the flame that 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 keeps it alive, you know. Yeah, well, I think I think anything that's not big too uh, is is something that is striving to um, to break ground and rediscover a love for the medium. I think that a lot of the stuff that's happening in Marvel and DC, and I don't really read those books, but my general sense of it after reading reviews and articles and such is that there's because they they are so self referential and there's no one title that you can just read straight through without buying four or five other titles with all their crossovers and the crossovers crossover with other crossovers like it's just it's it's become such a burden for somebody who wants to just read a comic that people are leaving it and i totally understand that and i think that um a lot of the passion like they're just ips uh there's not a lot of passion uh coming from the creators as far as uh, I mean, there, I'm sure there is, but I don't think it's coming through uh, due to uh, editorial slants that they need to. You need to have Wolverine uh, do such and such so that he meets up with such and such. Like the, the the ideas of original groundbreaking story and arcs is pretty much over until they get that sense that uh, uh, they need to stop doing these massive crossover type things. Mm-hmm. Most definitely. And so it's the so it's the so it's the indie stuff like like Image and Boom and these people uh, Black Mass that are you know that take chances on material that you're not going to see in the big two stuff and that's the real you know blood and guts of comics it's the kind of do it yourself uh, I don't give a shit I'm going to get this done sort of thing <laughs> right exactly like you guys said well they said no okay well we'll just do it our damn selves exactly. Uh, there was a great quote by Warren Ellis years ago that I always remember. He, he was talking about how small the, the comics audience is, um, but how that's a really cool thing because it means that you, you can quit caring about <laughs> like what audience expectations and just do what you want to do. Just like make the stuff you want to make and make it 
distinctly yours. Um, you know, quit trying to, like you, you talked about earlier, um, quit trying to predict like what the next big thing is going to be. Just make what you want to make. Um, and if you know, if it finds an audience, then great. But if not, then you at least you made what you wanted to make. Exactly. Be true to yourself. Be true to your vision. Just right. do what you have to do. Don't you know what I mean? Uh, don't don't curb it. Don't make it something that you don't want to make it just so that it becomes. Well, you hope that it becomes popular. Right. <laughs> right, but popular, like I said, like like the way Kill All Monsters has taken off. It, it was on its own merits, you know. Let's hope so. <laughs> <laughs> Fingers crossed. <laughs> no, I mean I, the I, take. I mean the take off part. I don't. I, <laughs> hey, you guys are. You guys are a way bigger deal in the comic book industry than I am. So to me, well, you guys are. You guys did arrive. I mean, I guess. I guess. Yeah, it's the grass is always greener, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, it, but but I mean that with with all the praise in the world. I'm not saying poor me. I'm saying like, to me, I admire where where you guys are at because of that. Because it you you didn't have to compromise a vision to try to get a yes. You were like, no, this is our story. This is our art, and. We're gonna keep it that way, and we'll do it ourselves. And now look where you're at. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I, yeah. I really do appreciate that. And it is like, it, it's it's unbelievable to me that we're being published by Dark Horse. I mean, that is like a dream come true. Right. Um, so I, it's not something that I take for granted. Absolutely. It's just, uh, you know, as <laughs> I think as we're the kind of the, the the cusp of releasing this book into the world, I think there's some nervousness about. Um, you know, we just want people to like it. We want people to to buy it, and um, you know, we just we want we want everybody to, who will enjoy it to at least know about it. And so, um, I think that's what you might be hearing a little bit. But yeah. we are super excited. Absolutely, Michael and I. Michael and I sort of live in a bubble uh, in terms of the the sort of feedback that we've gotten from the book because um, the the release of it was essentially a Kickstarter. So the people that that have it are essentially people that really wanted it in the first place. And um, so sending it out into sort of the, a mainstream group of people, like having it in a bookstore, because, you know, Dark Horse has a distribution with um, with Penguin, so it's going to go into bookstores and stuff. And that sort of oh, freaks wow. us out. Yeah, because that freaks us out, because now <laughs> it's beyond that bubble of people we know like us and like our stuff. It's going out there to people that have never heard of us, and uh, and that just it makes me nervous because uh, you know I've lived in this sort of little world where everyone seems to like it, and I'm now I'm trying to brace myself for the moment when I realize that not everyone's going to like it. Don't read reviews. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Don't read reviews. Just yeah. know that that there are some people who literally. To quote Michael Caine's Alfred, that just want to watch the world burn. Um, you guys are on social media, so you know exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah. <laughs> There's always that one guy, that or or girl, um, that their validation comes from being the first one to pipe up and say something mean about something. Uh, that their self worth is derived from, you know, crapping <laughs> yeah. down the throat of everything that moves because. That's what makes them feel complete. So yeah, like I always say, you know, like don't be the Billy Goat's gruff. Don't even engage the troll under the bridge when he pokes his head out. Just yeah, you know, have it be a one-page story. You know, 
The goats were crossing the bridge, and the troll came out and threatened them. They laughed at the troll and went to the other side of the bridge and continued their life. You know. Well, I'll, I, I, I hope that I will be able to keep my eyes off reviews, but I know myself, and I, <laughs> I, th- I think I'm in real trouble. Uh, I'll be in a corner, you know, in a fetal position, kind of sobbing for a while. Why did you say that? Why? Yeah, you know, even like mediocre ones, so like they'll just, you know, off the cuff. Oh, I don't really like the way he does faces, and then, uh, oh my god, like <laughs> I'll be agonizing over some person's review that I've, you know, or opinion that I've never even met that I shouldn't really care about. But that's who I am. I care. Yeah. About, so <laughs> it does go back to the whole like, do what you want, though. Do you know? And it, I, you know, I'm I'm going to be reading all the reviews too, Jason. It's not <laughs> so it's not me preaching. Um, except to maybe to myself, but uh, yeah, but it's hard. Like you, you, you've got to try to just, like you said, stay true to like what is it you want to do and what we want to do, and um, you know, hopefully people dig it. But if they don't, you know, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> right, but I mean, well, that's yeah, something. like yeah. That, right? so. <laughs> that's yeah, real. It just trails off, you know, into, <laughs> into the abyss. Yeah, yeah. That's why that's why you don't read your reviews. That's why you're not supposed to use because it, it keeps it easier for you to kind of stay in the headspace of yeah, you know, make what you want to make. I should actually on my in my browser I should uh, make it block like the <laughs> comic book roundup. I should just block that site so that I can't actually get to it. <laughs> <laughs> or set up a fake one, and that's where they post all their stuff to. Where you're like. You're posting to the nether. No one's going to see this. But go ahead, no. pour your derision. Uh, yeah, I sure hope people like it. That's all i got to say on that. All Dude, right. I, I, I honestly <laughs> really think they will. I think there's enough of us who've already are like, Hex, yeah, that um, will be the ones that help you carry your banner, most definitely. Awesome. Um, I'll be the first one to be like, hey, yeah, you're right. There aren't web shooting out of his hands, and... uh he can't x-ray vision through a wall, but it's an actual story. I mean, if if you're going to claim that you like comics, why don't you read some real ones? And I think that one of the nice things about this, too, is that the, the Omnibus has everything. Like, there's no, you don't, there's no backstory that you're not going to know about. Like, this is, this is it. This is everything that we've done so far. So um, all the information is in that one book. Right. Exactly. That's why I'm excited about it, because, I mean... I've read stuff, you know, I've read the the web stuff, and I didn't even know, honestly, that you guys did anything um, with, <laughs> with, with with Alterna until Peter today, and then I was like, oh my god, I'm, I'm, I've got these guys on, and I'm going to sound like a poser asshole. Um, <laughs> but I, have, I did read the web all. stuff, and I, I mean, yeah. as soon as I saw Omnibus in the Word, I was like, oh... So I'll be able to completely have all of it in one spot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's everything. Yeah, it's even got the Dark Horse Present three-parter that we did. So nice. Yeah, actually, the one thing that I'm really—well, I mean, I like it all, obviously. But we also did a 40-page one-shot that hasn't been seen by anybody, and it's in the book. And it—I—I I got to draw this awesome new uh, mech in it. He's like, uh, or it's a samurai robot mm-hmm. mech. It's and it's awesome. If, if I can, if I'm allowed to say that, you are. It, you it had me at Mac. <laughs> it, it looks great. <laughs> you had so me at Mac. 
Yeah, I was so stoked to draw it. Because I, I, the original drawing from it was a print that I did. Um, it was just like this robot that I decided to, to draw, and I made this print out of it. And then uh, I was like, you know, hey, Michael, let's, <laughs> can you work this thing in? And he's like, yeah, we can do something with it. And then he whipped up this 40-pager, and, and so I, I got my, I got my, my yayas out. It was very nice. exciting. Yeah, as a um, as a lifelong, uh, I want to get inside a robot fan, uh, which started with Macross, and then, I mean, even Exo. You remember when Exo Squad came out as a cartoon? No. Back in the, okay, <laughs> it was it was it was made for kids, so it was a GI Joe bent, um, but it was a Mech Warrior story for kids who couldn't understand. Um, well, it's called anime now, but, you know, the Battletech and the Macross and the stuff like that, they tried to do a dumbed-down American kids version of it. Okay. And, but but even then, though, I was like, ooh, the Mech Warriors. Um, so, yeah, that's that's ridiculous. I, I love that. Well, my, my my love for the, for the Mech sort of thing comes from the... Uh, there's a Marvel Comics series called the Shogun Warriors mm-hmm. that happened in uh, in in '79 and '80, yeah. and uh, I used to just uh, devour those comics. Those comics were everything to me for quite some time, and just the idea. And there's even this one story of this kid who gets beamed into the cockpit and he has to fly it, and he doesn't know what he's doing, and he's and it's just like it was like that's me, that's me. I get to fly this thing. It was so cool. And, uh, so yeah, so whenever I, whenever I'm drawing the pages, I I tend to be inside the uh, the mechs while I'm drawing. I'm just like pew pew. <laughs> I make the sound effects while I draw. Oh dude, I, I, I pew. 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 <laughs> I, I think we all pew pew in our own way. <laughs> I do. Um, when I write, I go to. Uh, I always tie music to it because you know, like, like I said, for me, I, I was in. I was in a, a punk hardcore band in Massachusetts and Rhode Island and that area where we played shows and my creativity came came from songwriting and when I started translating that over to short stories and outlines for things that were never completed that sat crying on the shelf, um, it was always connected to music. So, yeah. I've got my thing that when I when I open up my brain to do something, I have my weird idiosyncrasies too. Like, like I said, we all pew pew. It just may not sound like pew pew when we're doing it. Yeah. <laughs> What's your pew pew, Michael? Uh, How's that for a question on a on a grown man's podcast? Yeah. How do yeah, you what, pew what, pew? What's What's the rating of this podcast? It's PG. Uh, I I started that way, but um, I don't really like to edit grown ups' conversations. So <laughs> no, I just want to make sure Michael doesn't get too graphic with his pew pew. <laughs> I'm not with sure I'm allowed to say pew pew. I know there might <laughs> we might end up with pew pew everywhere. <laughs> it's, it's it's illegal to say pew pew in uh, in Minnesota. <laughs> I think it is. Hey there, you. <laughs> but uh, I just I mean. The whole giant robot thing is just—I think that's universal. Like I, I, I don't. It is. 
it's such a it's such a I don't know like a power fantasy or um, some, some kind of deep wish fulfillment to like you know to be able to control this a massive thing um, that looks like a human or at least is shaped sort of like a human uh, but it's so much more powerful than you are but you're controlling it um, I mean and that's what you know Jason's talking about making noises while he draws and I'm kind of doing <laughs> the same thing you know as I'm writing it and just it's you know when I'm scripting this stuff out that's it's I get to put myself in the seat right and and um you know especially like I'm choreographing fights and like it's just it's such a blast mm-hmm. you know to like okay the monster's gonna do this and then like how would I respond to a monster attack in this way and you know so then I write that down and then I could put myself in the monster's position like okay, how he's, how's he gonna respond to that and um like choreographing the fights is like the the best part of this whole thing <laughs> I mean, I, I like the characters, and I like the development, and I like the, you know, I like that there's a story, and, and hopefully people care about it, and, and they seem to, like, in the, the feedback we've got so far, but, you know, everybody's there for the fights, right? I mean, you just, <laughs> we can't do uh, just fights, but uh, but that's why everybody's there, including me and Jason. Oh, yeah. In the infamous, in the infamous words of Roxette, don't bore us, get to the chorus. <laughs> nice. Oh. <laughs> Uh, uh, that is discla- great disclaimer I despise Roxette <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't matter that dude to rip off Chris Hardwick points like that see that's what, yes. that, that's what happens when you worked music retail for like 10 years you, you, you oh get a lot God. of really useless information like the title of Roxette's greatest hits <laughs> was that the name of it yeah oh, Boris gets yes, the chorus Nice. Yeah. Yes, it was. My mom had that. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I mean, I'm 36. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not like 18 years old. Like, hey, what's a rock set? But <laughs> no, I mean, she was. Yeah, I mean, I grew up on a steady diet of my dad's um, folksy 70s music, and my mom being being in bands. Um, you know, it was always cover bands, but I mean, anything that was on the radio in the 80s, anything top 40. I remember having to drive with her to a record store to pick up, um, Jesus, uh, let's see, I had just got my Nintendo, and I was playing Kung Fu, that game is amazing still, I still have that emulated, if you ever, if you ever played that on Nintendo, it's, it's a great game, um, but no, I remember her making me stop playing so she could go buy the single to Elton John's Club at the End of the Street because the band was going to cover that for a wedding. And then listening to that in the car on a single over and a over again. single, oh my God. I, I thought I had heard the last time I was ever going to hear the word single. <laughs> oh my God, a single. <laughs> totally had a bunch of those, man. Oh my I, God, I haven't heard of that word in so long. Dude, I lived awesome. on Casingles. <laughs> Single. I mean, nice. I mean, if you think about it, it's the ninety-nine cent iTunes song of its day. Like, I yeah, don't want to yeah. buy the oh, whole album. For, oh, for exactly. sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, when I was a kid, like I'm super old. So when I was a kid, you you would buy the single, right? It was just like a little forty-five uh, vinyl. Forty-five, yeah. And um, you know, and, and then when cassette tapes came along, and we're starting to replace vinyl, like we didn't have like really a way to do that anymore and so they they came out with these singles and um yeah i <laughs> oh man 
That's crazy. <laughs> That's a blast from the past. Right? <laughs> blast from the past. Well, here's the cool thing, right? So, in the 90s with the advent of the CD, um, cause singles became like the thing you bought for... I remember when Smashing Pumpkins' Melancholy and the Infinite Sadness album came out. And, um, I mean, I don't care how up his own rear end Billy Corgan's got in his old age. That album was uh, really important to me when it came out. Uh, and they put a bunch of B-sides. And a lot of bands started doing that. Um, at least, like, the, the rock stuff. Like, um, Deftones put out uh, the My Own Summer single from their second album. But they had two songs on the other side that never got put on any album ever, and they barely ever play in concert. So that's why I got into singles, because you'd go through them on the wall, and you'd find the one that had um, stuff you weren't ever going to hear on an album. Yeah, like and, right. you know, yeah. yeah, for like two, three bucks, you're like, cool, I'll have a song that none of my friends do. I can lord it over them that I'm way cooler about music than they are. The Cult had a bunch of those. Uh, yes, they did. And they some of the some of the tracks, the B side tracks, are some of my favorite all time cult songs. And you can't you can't really get most of them. Uh, on, exactly. Yeah, Wolf Child Blues is probably one of the best cult songs ever. But that was a mm-hmm. I was on the B side of Love Removal Machine. <laughs> Love Removal. Mm-hmm. No, um, like my favorite Deftone song is Can't Even Breathe. They've been around for 20-something years now. Never put that song on an album. It's my favorite Deftone song. And you got Most it on And you got it on Kasingle? On a Kasingle. Yeah. <laughs> did you digitize that? No, I didn't. Um, fortunately, other people were like, ooh, a Kasingle. And they were smart enough to preserve the things they spent their money on in their youth. The internet, is, the internet is an amazing place, you know? <laughs> like... Like oh my god, you go onto like YouTube and people will uh, will put stuff on that, just like where do they get this? It's so awesome. Oh, most definitely. I mean, for the fact that ninety percent of the internet is people screaming at each other in cat videos, that other ten percent is where you find all the things that that make you happy. Um, <laughs> okay. I actually will escape from all forms of entertainment and literally put on. Uh, Wow, I'm really putting myself out there. <coughs> um, I'm also getting over a cold, so I apologize for the occasional no coughing. Um, I got con crud. We had a, a Comic-Con here a couple weekends ago that I was able to cover for the podcast, and me and my little one, who I brought with me, both brought a wonderful case of bronchial nightmareness to the rest uh, of our family. Uh, um, yeah, it, it went through everybody. Um as the week's worth of I'm going to kill you looks from my wife will attest to. <laughs> but sometimes I will go down a YouTube hole of 80s commercials. <laughs> like, not, not even shows, like commercials. Yeah, yeah. That's what takes you back, man. It's pretty awesome. It really does. It really does. And, yeah, I... I, I I, I swear, my my wife thinks I need to go get tested. I don't think they got <laughs> rid of the lead paint in my house when I was a kid fast enough. Well, you know. Look, we we had to. Uh, my baby brother found himself fond of chewing on windowsills for some reason, <laughs> like wooden windowsills, and that's how we found out we had lead paint in the house. Oh, oh wow! How's how's your brother doing now? 
He's a cop. <laughs> oh, well, there you go. I'm not even kidding. I'm not kidding. He's a cop in the in the in the, the city in Totten where I grew up. Yeah, the kid chewed on lead paint and now he carries a weapon. <laughs> uh oh. I love you, Brendan. I really do. <laughs> yeah. I hope nobody in Taunton listens to that. And they're like, dude, your brother put you on blast the other day. (laughs) Now you won't be able to show your face at home. They don't want me there anyway. (laughs) There's a reason I I didn't have one. When I went back to Massachusetts, my cousin was like, hey, you want to go do Renaissance festivals? (laughs) Boston's not really good for you. There you go. That's full circle. Your life will just go full circle. It did. Yeah, it will. (laughs) (laughs) But, um... So, um, how how can people get their hands on Kill All Monsters um, before the Omnibus comes out? They can't. Holy crap! Wow. Is it not, is Amazon sold out, Jason? Sorry. Is is the, Amazon sold out of the the first volume? Uh, well, as far as I know, it it goes to third party sellers. So okay. I mean, I guess people could do that. We won't make any money off that, though. <laughs> well, yeah, that's not. Yeah, that's not. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't want to promote that. That's like you know buying it used. I I have like four copies at home <laughs> of the got, original. Yeah, I got about a dozen that uh, I sell at shows. Yeah, I'll probably bundle I'll buy one of those off you guys. What's that? I'll buy one of those off you guys. I've yeah. actually got. You know what I have? I've got. I've got about twenty of the original ash cans we did of the first chapter of that oh wow 20 of those i was thinking yeah, about we're keep, gonna talk when this recording is done i was thinking about keeping those as some sort of kickstarter bonus reward type thing yeah oh heck yeah yeah because the first volume i mean it will be you know for those who kind of care about such things it, it will be kind of a collector's edition because we went back and actually um like dark horse had some of their own edits that they wanted to make to what had been previously published and so like there's right. one page of art that got changed and um, a bunch of dialogue, so um, it, you know, it's kind of a nice little keepsake. Yeah, and I don't remember exactly how many we printed, but there was only like sixteen hundred or something of them. Yeah, so so it's a pretty limited run. Oh well, yeah, we'll talk after. We <laughs> hook you up. Definitely, but now, um. So is is the Kickstarter still going, or has it not started yet, or oh, has it already know. come and gone? <laughs> I know the Kickstarter for me is like if we do if we do another uh, book and we decide to do it that way. <laughs> there's no uh, we did a Kickstarter for the first um, volume, which is in which is in the omnibus. We did a Kickstarter for that like three years ago, or is it four years ago now? Yeah, probably more four. Okay, um, and and it was really successful. Like uh, we did. We did really well. Uh, there was a lot of support for the book, um, and um, so what we did is we ended up, you know, printing uh, enough copies to cover everything, uh, and then Alterna released it in comic stores. Yeah. Um, so and then so those initial orders we we made enough copies to cover that as well, and then we overprinted. And I don't remember exactly how many Michael and I got each, but it was about three hundred copies or so. Yeah. Uh, so and then we've been selling those at shows since since it came out. So we are now at the end of our stock for that. So the fact that it's coming out uh, from Dark Horse 
pretty much as our stock is running out is really good timing. So yeah, yeah, that's awesome. It that's a nice little butt up to itself. Yeah, yeah, it keeps it in keeps it in print, which is awesome. Always, yep. So, um, do, do, do you have a projected uh, release date for the omnibus, or like uh, kind of a like a floaty, not fully definite time? Or uh, July July nineteenth is when it comes to comic book stores. Yeah. Um, okay. So it's been in previews for I don't know a month or so. Uh, yeah, it was, it was in the March March one. Oh yeah, yeah, because because it's a because the code is election. They um yep they. <clears throat> Solicit so those early. Uh, so, comic book stores July nineteenth, and then uh, I believe Amazon has it coming out in August for yeah. Uh, books, then bookstores have it on um, August first, I believe it is. Yeah, I was going to ask about that. Now I knew it was hitting comic stores. I knew Amazon was picking it up, but it's actually is it you know is um is it going to go into Barnes and Noble or well as long as they ordered it, it's available to them. So. Gotcha. Okay, so it'll be it, it'll be like any yeah. So basically, I mean, <laughs> bookstore bookstores is what you meant. Yeah, like uh, fingers crossed that was for my clarification. Yeah, yeah, fingers crossed that people can walk into their local Borders or Chapters or Indigo, depending if you're in Canada here, and the book mm-hmm. is going to be right there for you. Um, I haven't seen any numbers. I don't. Dark Horse hasn't told us specifically who's ordering the book, so I don't know. I don't know numbers, so I don't know which ones may or may not have it. But the theory is that you should be able to walk into any uh, large retailer and uh, bookstore and buy it. Yep. See, so listener base, here's what you do with that. Start making noise now while we have a couple months to get it ready and uh, get it on the retailer's radar that, oh, there's this thing that people are asking about and we can get our hands on it. Yeah, it's definitely something that if if people go into the store and, and ask and, and, uh, and mm-hmm. sort of make it known – that uh, that they want it, then retailers, you know, because we're just a in some of these like in a previews book, there's literally a thousand pages in this thing that uh, that retailers have to go through, and um, you know if there's nothing that that really makes them excited, then they'll just pass it over. So hopefully, you know, anyone who may have passed it over, if somebody goes into the shop and asks for it, they they may reconsider and order something. Exactly. So, so yeah, so getting people out there and asking about it is really important for the success of the book. Well, I will definitely start a guerrilla marketing campaign on my social media stuff and on the show. Well, we appreciate it. Yeah, most definitely, man, most definitely. You know, I, I, it, I, I tell everybody, um, I don't ever, you know, really ask for anything I will... Anything you guys can get to me uh, digitally that you want put up there, um, I'll put it out on my blog website. We'll put it out on the show. We'll put it up on every Twitter handle that I have because I currently, for some reason, have three. Just <laughs> consolidating all those people you follow so that you don't miss the people you talk to regularly is really hard. And But I will definitely plaster stuff all over the place. Um, and talk about it, and definitely start encouraging people to go out um, that follow me and start making some noise uh, in advance of it coming out, so that more people know what's coming. And you know, talk to your friends about it, talk to the retailers about it, go to your local comic shop, and if they, you know, if if it's not on their radar, put it on their radar. Yeah, um, for sure. You know, most definitely. 
Michael and I are a little yeah. Michael and I are a little slow at at uh, and uh, at self promotion. We're we're not we're not the best at promoting our stuff. So uh, any help that we can get, <laughs> it doesn't it doesn't come naturally to either no. one of us. Sadly, no. <laughs> you're talking to a guy who pretty much lives in his studio and doesn't have any direct contact with people about six days a week. So I'm not really good at <laughs> getting the word out. Really, I kind of live in my own little world. I, I can't say that everybody at my work knows that it's coming out, though, so that's good. I don't know if they're all by it, but uh, it's kind of fun. Mission accomplished. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I, I mean, I, I kind of buy into the, the IT crowd view of the human race. Uh, if you ever watch the IT crowd, when, yeah. when, uh, the, when she tells um, the Chris O'Dowd's character that he needs to get out more and meet people, I, I I want it on a T-shirt. I'm sure I can get it. Where he just looks at her and he's like, "People, what a bunch of bastards!" Like that's <laughs> <laughs> that became like me and my wife's uh, catch line. I'm pretty sure that once the kids have established their own lives, we're just going to end up hermiting up in the woods somewhere. <laughs> my dream is to buy a, a castle in Scotland, out in the middle of nowhere, and just live there till I die. Nice. Right? Yeah. Uh, have have like uh, uh, food and, and supplies kind of just shipped in. Uh, you know, a, a vehicle pulls up, throws some stuff out the back, drives away, and then I, once they're gone, I just I open the door and I drag the stuff into the house as fast as I can and close the door. <laughs> that is amazing. <laughs> because it's true. <laughs> uh, so, well, you know, my wife would be there too. Um, so but, instead uh, of get off my lawn, you'd be like, Get off my moor! <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I do the worst Scottish accent. I have a Scottish background, and my family background is Scottish, but I do the worst Scottish accent, um, so I won't even attempt that. Yeah. I won't judge you too harshly. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, yeah, I have, I have one. Of my, that's my stupid human pet trick is, is accents. You can see how far it's gotten me in my life. Yeah, well, you so, know. That's my superpower. I can switch in and out of <laughs> Anglo-Saxon European accents at whim. <laughs> Take that, Xavier. I'm going to build my own damn school. <laughs> the team was wiped out on its first mission. Yeah, that's... I, I, I do think I might end up being... I'm, I'm 36 years old and I'm already like well settling into my get-off-my-lawn mentality. <laughs> and I, I, I didn't, I, like, I didn't see it coming, but like, oh, something happened, and I was just like, oh, young people are stupid. Uh, it comes to us all. It does. <laughs> like, music sucks. TV sucks. Young people are dumb. Forget <laughs> it. I'm locking myself in my room. Yeah, I, I heard you say already that uh, that there's no good music any anymore. <laughs> the, I mean, there's some, but. Yeah. No, I just you know it was a very old person thing to say. <laughs> it really is. Yeah, like earlier today, I just kept you know when when Peter and I were talking, I kept I, I, like I sound like an old man looking backwards. Like I find a lot of what I say is an old man looking over his shoulder. Like that's when things were good. <laughs> well, you know, I, I feel, have you seen the have you seen the the picture or the what do they call it a meme? Everything has to have a cutesy ass name now. Um, 
the the meme of it, it's one of those roller coasters where they take your picture on one of the hills to get the reaction shot, and everybody else has their hands up and the kids are laughing and there's this one old man in the back of a car yeah. with his arms crossed just frowning and it says <laughs> I had I had fun once it was terrible. <laughs> I, 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 it's like the picture of Dorian Gray only. It's not keeping me alive. It's turning me into the old man. Somebody needs to break the picture so I can feel youthful and pretty again. <laughs> like, yeah, the episode was great. They talked about the book, and then it just got really depressing. <laughs> we were going to go by the host's house and make sure he was okay. There's plenty of good comics. <laughs> There are. There really are. I will say that. Um, I got, actually, a lot of stuff is late to that. I, I was really into comics, and then I dropped off for a while. And this year, I've kind of gotten back in, so that's why I do sound like I'm a little rusty with that. But uh, I had a friend brought over the first couple volumes to Why the Last Man. Oh, yeah. Excellent. And, yeah, I, I got, I've got, I'm devouring those. I got really into Fables. Yep. Um, played... Uh, downloaded the Wolf Among Us game and was like, this universe is pretty awesome. And one of my friends was like, yeah, idiot, it's based off like a 10-year-old comic property. And he had a bunch of the volumes and and my wife started devouring them and she usually thinks the stuff that I'm interested in is 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 not her thing. And she ended up getting really sucked into reading fables too. So, And then I found Lock and Key. and That's good too. Yeah, I got into that. Um, there's a new one coming out. I think Brubaker's doing it called Killer Be Killed. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, that's, that's that one, I I bought the first trade. It, it's actually really good. Sean Phillips is drawing that, isn't he? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Sean Phillips is awesome. Yeah, it's called Killer Be Killed. It's actually, it's really good. It's I, 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 I think Tom King's run on Batman right now is the only superhero thing I can find myself stomaching enough to read. I really like what he's doing. Um, he's, he's, he's writing it the way that it was when I loved it. Well, that's you know, cool. It's, yeah, it's not all bombast. It's more about characters and the psyche behind Batman and what makes his villains tick. And, um, 24 just can't, issue 24 came up, but 23 had Swamp Thing in it. And, uh, holy crap, was that a well-written single issue. Um, it ended kind of crazy, and I hope they touch on that again. But yeah, like I've I've really gotten picky and choosy. Well, I think you have to. There's an awful lot of stuff out there. There's like a glut of it, and it's almost like there's too much that the good stuff washes by you too fast. Yeah, I, and you know? I think a lot of that is on the big two. I think that there's too much stuff coming from them, and that's all about market share, which is kind of sad, but. Um, right, I think what it's like seventy to eighty percent. Yeah, <laughs> you know their 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 theories is if they can if they can put enough stuff out, there's there won't be enough rack space, so uh, you know the competition won't get ordered as much. I think. Uh, so crap. And it, it it's really a shame because there's so many uh, better books out there that Thank people you. aren't getting to see. So. Exactly. Yeah, you really got to dig for them. Yeah, and, and literally in some places, you know, depending on how they. They they display their books sometimes. Right. <laughs> you know, it's books behind books. Even on you know new release day, 
you have to kind of yep. dig through some of the you know the image pile or whatever. Just it's just like man, like why why aren't people seeing this? Why are people seeing you know Secret Empire three? Like who gives a shit? Like put some of these original things out there. I, th- I think that's what do you mean? I think that means I, I just won't be working at Marvel. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I was going to say on the Secret Empire, I, I thought it was interesting, and I bought the first two available issues, and, I, and I'm I'm done with it. Well, I think yeah. I mean, I haven't read it. I, that was just a shining. It's just a shining example of of all the crossover stuff, and and uh, and you know, it's essentially uh, one of the main reasons why I don't even bother reading big two books is that it's not necessarily that it's not they're not drawn well they're not written well it's just that if you want a complete story you have to follow too many books and uh i just i'm not willing to to put the money and time to try to track down a coherent story over you know exactly. many many titles like it that's just pointless yeah that is that's, and that's what kills me is is there the, the writers and the artists over there are so friggin talented but they're they're like shackled to this corporate model, which the corporate model kills any creativity, no matter what medium it is. And, you know, they've got these killer guys over there that are passionate about comics and did grow up loving it. And, you know, they, they're beholden to, to these business models. And, and you know, that if they just let the shackles off of them, the stuff that they would come up with would, would just shine, you know, and instead it's this mediocre, Nobody likes the characters to change too much. Yeah. And well, and I think that that's one of the things, too, is that, you know, before comics got popular, you know, quote-unquote popular, the the whole idea of of, um, of messing with a character, you know, the IP, wasn't wasn't a taboo thing. You could, you could do sort of stuff like that. But now, you know, Captain America or Iron Man or whatever has been licensed to so many things that... Um, <laughs> right. That you can't mess with it because if if a licensor, you know, paid all this money for Captain America and then you turn Cap, well, actually, that's Captain America. That's a bad example, Nazi. man. That's a bad example. But you know, yeah, they've bastardized him two or three times. Yeah, but you know, you just can't mess with the license stuff, uh, or you can for briefly, and then it'll have to go back to the regular thing. Or else, you know, you start messing with all the licenses and the money that that generates. So it's you know you can only they can only push so far before it has to snap back to to the way it was, right? But like you guys should see your own artistic freedom in that for for what you're what you're doing and 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 what you get to do and the fact that it's you know you do have an omnibus coming to market and it's going to be carried over all these venues, but it's still like it's still your baby, you know? Yeah, like yeah. At th- that. That's the stuff that I'm pulled way more to. That's the stuff that I will put my money behind as a consumer is, you know, Alterna Comics business model, what you guys are doing. Uh, I love I love the indie market a lot more than what I loved when I was growing up. Yeah. Because the spirit in the indie, indie market is what everyone was putting out when I fell in love with comic books as a kid. I think, and, I think, you know, you guys are the last bastion for pure comic book lovers. Like, you guys really are one of the last bastions for those of us who love it for what it is. Well, you know? yeah, we need we need more people like you that support the, the non-two. Grumpy non, old man? The, no, the non-big two <laughs> people, the, you know, the people that uh, that support the books that aren't uh, aren't so corporate. 
Uh, it's nice to see books like uh, at Image, you know, managing to get a, a decent readership because, you know, that's a company that uh, that really uh, cultivates the idea that comics can be anything, and that uh, that you know, like you say, the shackles are off. You know, just let 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 the creators create and come up with interesting things. There's no real you know uh, corporate mandate. That anything has to happen at a certain pace or whatever, so and that's where you know that's where the action's happening is in in places like that, um, but th- not enough people are realizing that, and hopefully that changes. Yeah, I, I think it will. I think um, the the artificial boom in the big two's popularity due to movies and everything, it'll wane. People will get sick of having movies come out every year eventually. I know there's a lot of critics who say no, but um, they'll end up falling into the same business model of not trying as hard once they have the installed base, and and it'll wane. And the stuff that was, you know, true blue will 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 still be there because it was built on its own stability. So, I think uh, I, I think comics in general. Not indie comics, but I think what happened to Marvel and DC in the 90s, they either need to change what they're doing or it's going to crash again. Yeah. You know, um, yeah, well, I, so, see, you know, I see. I see. I see. I see a definite, um, you know, uh, I don't even know if it's a rebellion, but I can imagine that there's going to be an exodus of certain people from, from the big two. The, my, my concern is that, um, you know, stores, retail stores can't survive without. The money that those people, those right, writers, so it'll end up trickle down, hurting everything. Yeah, well, because if they don't, if they don't, if they don't take their money and and put it into other books, if they just take their money and walk, uh, that's bad for everyone. Right. Because um, the retail stores won't ha- won't be able to generate enough, and that'll close up shops. So, you know, it, it can't happen fast because that'll be the death of of comic stores. Uh, but it, I think it needs to happen. I think people need to realize that big two comics aren't um, necessarily where they should be placing their money votes. You know, they should hopefully broaden their interests and and pick up other titles. Whether that happens, I don't. I don't know. It's hap- I mean, it's right. happening. I just don't know if it's happening fast enough. Right. And, but but see, that's why I I, I will always reach out to. To you guys, and I mean, uh, legitimately, um, I think people need to know w- that there's way more out there uh, oh, sure. for, for yeah. comics. Sure. Yeah, like, there's way more out there, and there's way more creativity and originality and, you know, uncorrupted actual stories <coughs> that you can get your hands on and enjoy. And I mean, that that that's why I reached out to have you guys on. That's why... You know, I I always say you guys are open door uh, with me. I'll reach out, and anytime you guys want, you can reach right back out, and I will make time to have you guys on, um, because I it, it it needs to be encouraged, even if it's guerrilla style through podcast. And you know, like I said to my listeners, go to your retailers local comic book store or bookstore and let them know that this is something you're interested in. Put it on their radar and then it's on their radar and then you can have it and then you can start spreading it around to other people and they can get into it and, you know, it, it can become 
an, an independent book that that can stand on its own and sustain itself and and afford us the opportunities for you guys to have the opportunities to either bring us a continuation of that or branch off into other stories and be able to bring more art to us. So, you know, I'm, I am, I think more for doing that than anything else when it comes to comic books these days. Well, I'm fully behind that. That's awesome. Most definitely, man. But, um, so can people, um, are there pre-orders available or are they going to wait closer to July and, Oh uh, no! They should get their in pre-order August. in now. If they definitely okay, yeah. Um, if the store hasn't ordered any, then there won't be any on release day. So they, you know, they need to. It'd be better for them to be proactive than to wait and hope that their store actually ordered it. Okay, so so pre-orders are open. People can go and yeah, yep, for sure, yep, and get in the proverbial queue. Yeah, if the retailer for you know has it all on a computer system, they should be able just to to. You know, input that you know, the title or even probably our names. But if they don't, if they have to do it kind of old school with the with the code, um, you know, uh, we've got the code that they need to have their store order it for them. Okay, and where can people find you guys? Um, uh, I'll let Michael go. He's been rather quiet. <laughs> <laughs> let me get the code first. Um, so okay, I have it pulled up here. So uh, the pre-order code is. Um, M-A-R, as in March, 170061. So you can give your store that, and then we would get it for you. Uh, as far as where I'm at, um, I'm on Twitter, Michael May Comics, spelled with an X at the end. Uh, and my website is michaelmay.blogspot.com. And uh, from there, um, I, I do a bunch of different podcasts and, and run a bunch of different tumblers, and um, you can find all that stuff linked from there. Cool. And I'm just Jason Copeland pretty much everywhere. At, at Jason Copeland is Twitter. Uh, at, Cop- at Jason Copeland is uh, Instagram. I'm Jason Copeland on Facebook. Uh, I have jasoncopeland.com. Uh, I've just branded the shit out of myself. Um, <laughs> but uh, my, my actually, I can't get into the back door in my in my in my website, so it hasn't been updated in about a year and a half or something. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I know. I'm not the techie kind of guy. I had it all set up, and then uh, well, I changed my computer, and I lost all the <laughs> all the passwords. The saved passwords. Yeah, and then I tried to reset it, and it told me that it emailed my old email address, which is dead, and I'm just like, oh, oh no. no. So yeah, it's just sitting there. Yeah, I haven't updated in quite some time, but uh, eventually I will fix that. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Whatever, you know. <laughs> I'm very accessible on uh, Twitter, and uh, and so yeah, that's that's my preferred place. But whatever. I got you. We also have a Tumblr um, for people who are just into giant monsters and giant robots, which is killallmonsters.tumblr.com. Uh, and so we put up news about the book there, but we also. Um, I, I throw up a bunch of just like other giant monster stuff. So uh, if people nice. like that, then that's a good place to go. Nice. All right, guys, that was Jason Copeland and Michael May from Kill All Monsters. What a great conversation. Can't wait for this book to come out. Uh, get your pre-orders in and definitely let your local comic book store know and your book bookstore know that you're interested in it. Get it on their radar and then we can get it into the hands of even more people. So uh, thanks for listening. 
definitely uh, look forward to more episodes in the future. As always, I'm Gnarly Canary on Twitter, and if you would, could you leave a five-star review in the iTunes store? It helps bump me up in the numbers, makes it easier for people to see and find the show. And uh, if you like it, tell your friends, and uh, definitely get them to stop on by, too. Hit subscribe and uh, leave some comments and questions. You can hit me up on Twitter. And, uh, yeah, definitely looking forward to getting in touch with you guys. So remember, make the world a better place one nerd at a time. See ya.